everyone, welcome back to the Out of Control Pod. We're your hosts, Amber and Nini, and we also wanted to put in a trigger warning and a content warning in this episode because the topic is so heavy. We are going to be touching on subjects such as depression and suicide and anything else in the mental health realm. So if you feel like this isn't a topic that you can handle hearing right now. Please do what is best for your mental health and skip this episode. And please listen at your own discretion. May is also Mental Health Awareness Month. So we wanted to touch a little bit on this topic because it's very dear to our hearts. So we wanted to start off this episode with kind of talking about what mental health is and what does it encompass. Mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. And in many ways, it affects how we think, feel, and act. And it also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make choices in our lives. But one thing's for sure, and that is mental health is crucial and important at every stage of anyone's lives, from childhood through adolescent years, puberty years, and all the way through adulthood. Over the course of your life, if you do experience mental health problems, the way that you think, your mood, and your behavior could all be affected, sometimes one over the other or all three. And to give you an idea of how much mental health affects us as a society. Nearly one in four people suffer from a mental illness and close to 800,000 people die due to suicide every year, which is one person every 40 seconds. So it's very important for us to understand what it means to struggle through mental health and what mental health encompasses as a whole, because there's such a variety of what mental health is. So I guess we're going to dive into kind of our personal experiences with mental health and how it has shaped and changed the way that we think and live our lives. So Nini, what was your personal experience like with mental health and did you ever struggle with mental health? I don't think I really understood mental health until I went to college because I think I was always a really happy child. Yeah. <laughs> I think the months leading up to college, I started really struggling with the idea of change. I decided to go to college at the University of Washington. And I always knew that I wanted to move out of state for college, for the college experience, (laughs) I guess. But I didn't realize how hard it would be. The idea of not being able to see my parents every day after school, not being able to see my closest friends that I grew up with every day. It made me really sad. I remember when my parents were dropping me off the first weekend of college. They were helping me arrange my room and buy everything that I needed for my dorm. And the entire weekend, I just, I felt my heart pounding so fast because I didn't want them to leave. I didn't want to be left alone in a new city with nobody that I knew. The night before they were going to fly back to Vegas, we were grabbing some last minute things at Target, like small things for my dorm. And my mom was inside Target, I think grabbing some last minute things. And it was just me and my dad in the car. And I just broke down crying because I didn't want them to leave. I didn't want to be left alone. In my head, I was like, why am I crying? I'm 18. I should be happy to be able to experience this new event in my life. And I was really kicking myself for feeling sad about it. But my dad kind of reassured me in that moment. He was telling me I should be happy. This is a new experience. And it's not like they were leaving forever. They were just a two-hour flight away. Mm -hmm. And I would always be able to call them. And I really appreciated him for that. Mm. But oh my gosh, I remember just being in my dorm room after they left and saying goodbye and just crying. And I was... (laughs) You know, college (laughs) and moving away is a big pivotal moment in many, many young people's lives. Mm -hmm. So I don't 
think your emotions were out of sync with that you know yeah moving away so far from home is is hard distance is hard it is i think just at the time my emotions were it's coming out yeah and i remember googling why do i feel sad (laughs) (laughs) but i think it was just the fear of like i don't know how i'm gonna make friends am i gonna be happy here am i gonna succeed in college and you know just succeed in life in general now Mm -hmm. that i didn't have the comfort of my parents just Mm -hmm. so close to me and on top of that seattle is really gloomy at times many times yeah, I got elevated by um, the cherry blossom season when I visited <laughs> the first time. You visited at the prime time of the year. I did. I got really, really baited by the quad and <laughs> all over cherry blossoms. <laughs> but I remember somebody told me about sad, not subtle Asian dating, <laughs> but seasonal affective disorder and how some people just get really sad in the winter months because it gets so gray and it rains pretty much almost every day mm-hmm. and some people were telling me oh like it's not real like it's not a real thing some people were telling me that it was mm-hmm. and i think i was in denial about it for maybe the first two years yeah. of going to college there and then i realized okay maybe this is real mm-hmm. because i noticed not just me but people around me were in sadder moods when the winter quarter came like nobody really wanted to do anything of course the sun was setting a lot earlier too and a lot of us spent a lot of time in our 24-hour library Mm. which probably also didn't help that it was (laughs) open 24 hours (laughs) then i realized maybe it, it really is a real thing and just because it has a silly acronym for it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be treated any less seriously than any other mental illness yeah but i think sad really does affect a lot of people in seattle Mm -hmm. especially people who move from very very sunny states aka you aka me from sunny las vegas yes and a lot of people move from california to seattle too so we're just not used to all the rain yeah and everything and there was a big pressure to figure out what to do with life what classes to take what major you wanted to apply to getting rejected from the majors that you applied to if they were closed majors and it was just a very stressful time personally i didn't know what i wanted to do until my junior year and i felt like everybody around me knew what they wanted to do meanwhile i was here like trying everything trying to find something that spoke to me Mm -hmm. but you know people were already in their majors by freshman year of college and it was just like holy crap why am i so behind like why can't i figure out what i want to do with my life Mm. and that that made it really hard for a while because even if i did have people to talk to they didn't actually understand yeah relate to Mm -hmm. and that's really different and really hard when you are trying to explain your thought and your emotions but the other person may not be able to relate Mm -hmm. the same way that you are feeling it and so there's kind of a disconnect Mm -hmm. which may or may not make you feel better or worse exactly of course it's always nice to have friends just to vent to to talk to but Mm -hmm. they can't relate then sometimes the conversation just remains very surface level yeah and i feel better but not not like there's a solution or anything to my problems yeah and so there was actually this time when i was in seattle where i came back from my study abroad in italy and i was planning on graduating with the spring class walking during the graduation because i was planning on taking five classes that quarter which would have been i think more than 20 credits with um the classes that i needed and this particular class that I wanted, it was a, um, I think, a social studies part of psychology. And I was really interested in that. So I was thinking, this is perfect. This is the last credit that I need f- to graduate with a psychology major. But I think the class was already full by the time I got back from Italy. I think I needed to sign up for the classes in Italy and um, I don't think I woke up in time. So the class was full. And in the notes, the professor had said, do not contact me or email me to be put on the wait list. Come to the first day of class. So that's what I did. 
I even went early that day to the class to ask the TA who was actually going to be teaching the class if I could be put on the wait list. And when I had gotten there, there was already a line and I was thinking, okay, whatever, you know, hopefully everybody that needs to get in will get in. But there's probably like two or three people in front of me. And when I got to the front to see the list, there was already like 13 people ahead of us. And it's because they all emailed the professor to be asked to be put on the wait list. And I was just like, what the heck? I thought that she didn't want us to email her. Like if she did, then why would she put that in the notes in her, my plan? Which in hindsight, I should have probably emailed her anyway, but I'm just always thinking like to respect their time. And I emailed the TA and everything about my situation and how I really needed to graduate. And if I could just, you know, be put into the class. And she basically said, that's too bad. We can't do that for you. And I was like, you won't even have a conversation with me about it and I never got an email back and that kind of just put me off from taking the class with that TA entirely but I was so frustrated at that point because I hate to say this but I hated Seattle at that moment I didn't want to stay there anymore I felt at my worst in that city I just wasn't happy. And I think that feeling is part of why I don't think I would ever move back to Seattle as much as I do love the city and love the place. It's just not home for me. But because of the situation with that class, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't want to stay another fall quarter if I didn't have to. I, at one point, was originally planning on just taking five years at UW and graduating my fifth year. But then At one point, I realized it was probably not a good decision for my mental health. So I was really, really working on graduating in the four years. And that's why I worked my ass off my junior and senior year, taking four classes every single quarter, just so that I could graduate in the four years that I had planned. And so because I just, I had no idea what I was going to do. There was this one day, I think it was the day that I realized I wasn't going to get an email back from this TA. I broke down in my room crying. And I think I was like scream crying because my chest hurt. And it was just a moment where I felt so stuck. I felt like if I stayed in Seattle because I couldn't get in that class for another fall quarter, I might have, and I don't want to say this lightly, but possibly been depressed and I think that was probably the lowest moment in my life just breaking down alone in my room because I had never done that before but luckily I figured out a way to deal with the situation I just decided that you know what whatever psych class that falls under this credit that I need that they're offering over summer I don't care what it is I'm taking it because I'm graduating and I'm walking the spring. Looking back at it, it was actually kind of a blessing in disguise because I was applying to this journalism internship and they only accepted you if you were a student. So I actually did need to be a student in summer quarter to be able to do this internship. But that doesn't invalidate the way that I felt at the moment when I didn't know what I was going to do with my life and I just, I was just so close to dropping my psych major and just giving up. There were definitely days where I just didn't want to get out of bed. There were days where I slept like 12, 13 hours because there was just a lack of motivation. Yeah. And I didn't want to talk to anyone, especially if it was winter quarter. I'm like, I didn't even want to leave my apartment. But I do think I had a really strong support system, mm-hmm. both in Seattle and back home here. Yeah. I figured out what I wanted to do with my life. So I am in a better place right now you know there was definitely moments where i really really struggled i wouldn't call it depression Mm. i don't think there was actually a time where i tried out this online therapy thing yeah i don't i don't remember what it was called but i figured it wasn't really for me if i did want to go to therapy then i think i would have wanted something in person yeah but i mean of course if you can't go to an in-person therapy session then there's always resources online for like online chat 
rooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you think that your experience through college has helped you build a stronger foundation for your mental health now? Definitely. Mm. I think because I went to such a liberal college, we were all very open about our struggles day to day, what we were dealing with, if yeah. we were feeling sad. We had a lot of awareness mm-hmm. about it. We had events for it and everything. So one thing I really did appreciate about UW is how open everybody was to talking about these things. Mm-hmm. I think the conversations in even just listening to other people talk about their own struggles has helped me be able to recognize mm-hmm. um, what certain mental health is, what mental health struggles is, yeah. and just how to talk about it. Yeah, When to recognize or how to recognize if a friend of mine might be struggling and opening the dialogue with them about it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's set a really good foundation for being able to talk about it and not being afraid of the conversation. Right. And hopefully being able to give advice if it's ever wanted. Mm-hmm. But what about you? How was your experience? There's a lot of similar things that I went through with you, mm. like relating to you. And I don't think I really understood the concept of what mental health was until I got to college too. And that was also when I went through the hardest time of my life in regards to my mental health. I think that's when I had to realize what I was going through in order for me to survive. But college is a very tough time for a lot of people. And I was definitely part of that group that struggled a lot. Well, first, I had a lot of close friends that I went through middle school with and high school with. And I mean, that's a big chunk of my life. And I became really close to these friends, you Mm. and mainly my girlfriends, right? Girlfriends are just like a different species. (laughs) And so having all of my closest girlfriends go out of state for college and me staying in town was really, really rough to think about. I remember when you guys all, you know, went off, I felt like I was being left behind behind even though you know no one is leaving me behind you guys are chasing your future but it just felt like i was left in the same place with less of things that made me happy, which is my friends. And so that was really tough, knowing that I wouldn't be able to hang out with you guys, see my friends, make memories. So that made my first two years of college really, really hard. And on top of that, I really did not know what I wanted to do with my life. I kind of just went into college as a, it's the next step, so why wouldn't I do it type mentality. And actually, I changed my major probably- 87 times? 87 times. (laughs) oh my gosh but really like it felt like that in my head i was just like what am i doing where am i gonna go um and i was actually a nutrition major for my first year or so of college i remember that right and like of course it's a health science major so one of the first classes i had to take was chemistry and biology and i just completely like i was just not in the best state of mind at that point because i was just struggling with how to cope with college without my friends and also not knowing what I wanted to do it just felt like I was doing something for nothing I was just going to school for nothing so it made me feel very unmotivated and very uncertain and in fact I actually failed I flunked out of my first one of the first semesters of college and that really took a hit to my like confidence and my self-worth and I questioned who I was and what was I doing and I was really hard on myself And I think my brain was being really, really hard on myself for that reason. And during my time in college, this is probably sophomore, junior year, that's when I struggled the most. And I would say that's when I hit my rock bottom. I was really struggling. And at that time, I was also going through a really hard breakup. And I was also met with friends that felt like were judging me for going through what I was going through. And I wasn't necessarily the best griever. You know, I was definitely a Debbie Downer in many social situations. But during that time, I was going through so much emotions and I felt like the people I called my friends were not supportive and thinking of me while I was going through this rough patch. And so I withdrew a lot 
almost entirely from social settings. Like in school, I would actively avoid the paths that I knew my friends walk on. I actively avoided reaching out to people because when I did that, I felt like they weren't listening and they weren't hearing me and they were judging me instead. And so I didn't want to feel like that anymore. And I didn't want to feel like a burden, most of all. That was the biggest, I think, emotion engulfing me was that my brain kept telling me that others would be happier and better off without me and I really believed it so I kind of just spiraled into a really really dark dark place of constant uh, constantly feeling lonely and you know disconnecting from who I was and from my family friends I never reached out to anybody I kind of just tried to stick to myself and bottle everything in as tightly as I can. That's the way that I try to do it because the overwhelming feeling was I don't want to burden others because I was a burden to them before. I don't want to do it again. And I just didn't enjoy life and I didn't get excited about anything. Life was hard. I didn't know what I was doing with my life basically. And at that time, my only escape of feeling nothing because I felt everything was sleep. Man, I remember I would sleep probably for half the day. Mm. I would just sleep through it. Even though I got over 12 hours of sleep the night before, I think it was just my body trying to escape from reality. That way I didn't have to think about what I was feeling and feel what I felt. And I turned to alcohol a lot too, which was not very good at all. It was very destructive to my body. But at one point I realized this is not the way that life is supposed to be. And this is not who I am. And I felt in despair I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to reach out to for help. And it was only when I actually called one of my close friends. And I think I was on my way to my communications class. And I just had a moment and I was just like, I can't go to class. I physically cannot. And so I stopped in my tracks on my way to class. And I called up my friend and I basically just told her that I've been feeling really sad lately. And I've been feeling very depressive and I haven't been happy for a long time and she encouraged me to go seek professional help and she guided me to the CAPS program on my campus which helps with mental health and psychological services and so I thought that therapy and seeing somebody was like the last resort even though I was going through all of this I was like I can do it. I can deal with it. I'm not going to go see a therapist. But after I talked to my friend, I realized that I'm going to need help to get out of this whole spiral that I was going down. And so I went in for an emergency appointment with a therapist. And I think that is the single most important thing I've done for my mental health is to see somebody who was able to help me and guide me through what I was going through. And looking back at this whole experience, it just made me realize how strong the human brain and the human heart can be. But there will be times when it becomes hard and you can't be strong and life will weigh you down. And while things don't get better overnight, because it never did. What helped me was to understand that I wanted to live a happier life and that I deserved a happier life than what I was doing to myself. And I I truly, truly believe that mental health is a never-ending cycle of progress that you have to work on and just keep tabs on. And it's, it's just like any other health, like you know how you get your annual checkup for your eyes or your teeth to the dentist. Mental health is just the same. Having checkpoints and checking in, there will be good days and there will be bad days. And sometimes the bad days will outweigh the good. And when those times come, I found it the hardest to come out of. But looking at it from the other side now, I can say that I am almost, I'm glad that I went through what I went through because it helped me understand how to regulate my emotions and how to get myself out of really dark situations for when maybe something else comes in my life and that's the biggest thing that I can take away from that and when I saw the therapist during my intake appointment we went through a variety of questions uh, like a questionnaire so I was actually clinically diagnosed with mild depression and anxiety and so I think having somebody tell me that and that I am there helped me realize that, okay, what I'm feeling is valid and what I'm going through is not just me being crazy and overreacting with what's going on in my life. And 
that also helped me to get better and to recover. So I guess my one, two cents would be that if you feel somewhat the same way, I highly encourage to take that leap of faith and seek help wherever you can because it's helped me immensely. I really wish that we were able to be there with you physically when you were going through these things. It's hard though. We were all on our own life path. And I think being there for somebody even not physically can do so much too. But you guys did everything you could as we all do for each other when we go through a hard patch in our lives. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you've got to believe that you want to get better and you've got to believe it that you're going to come out of this. So that's that's what I did. <laughs> it feels like there's never enough professional help around. Yeah. And sometimes even if there is, it's really expensive. Yeah. Having a safe space is, I would say, like a really important part of anyone's mental health journey. Mm-hmm. And admitting that you are struggling isn't a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you come out of it a stronger version of yourself. Oh, yeah. But not seeking the help. Yeah. I think, of course, it's because of the stigma surrounding mental health. But even specifically for Asian Americans, a lot of times we fight until the very last tooth and nail before we even think about maybe I should go see somebody professionally. Yeah, I mean, that's what I did. Mm -hmm. I I, I didn't think that seeing a psychiatrist or a therapist is an option for me. That I should just get better, get over it, you know? Admitting it is the first step and it's Mm -hmm. also the hardest step. Oh, yeah. And I think there's a common misconception that um, that people with mental health problems can just like snap out of it if you try hard enough. But don't be sad. Just be happy. Yeah. Like, obviously, I would if I could. (laughs) (laughs) It it really just is not that easy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's a lot of stigma that we've experienced growing up in like an Asian household, too. And even in Asia, growing up learning about how in specific in Korea, they're notorious for their education system being very, very hard and very harsh on students. And I remember my dad telling me about how he had to study pretty much for 12 hours a day in middle school. And it's not even high school or college, it's middle school to get into high school. And eventually in Korea, one of the biggest things, like a sign of achievement in society is for you to take the entrance exam into college. And that's a big, big, big deal to not only the students, but their parents and their families. And so there's a lot of pressure put on them to do good, to get into the best school and to get into the best firm once you graduate. So it's a never ending cycle. And I learned that because of those pressures, Korea has one of the highest rate of suicide due to this reason. And seeing how my family kind of deals with mental health too, it's not talked about enough. We we don't really talk about our emotions and show emotions as much as I would like, but I've also seen that with all of my friends and other fellow Asians. We can relate a lot on this topic in that showing emotions is not a thing at all. Even in our cultures, when you, when you visit, everyone is very reserved from what I noticed. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen my dad cry. I don't either. And even my mom very, very rarely. Yeah. Like maybe I've, I've probably seen her cry a total of three times all my life. And I mean, it's like, how do you emotionally regulate yourself so much to the point where the only emotion you show is either happiness or a lot of anger sometimes (laughs) (laughs) but not enough grief and sadness and yeah like at one point do you just start to feel numb i think that may be a coping mechanism for a lot of people who don't show sadness the education system is very similar in china yeah i remember when i used to go back when my cousin was still in middle school and high school mm-hmm. i was back for a summer vacation i don't know how the how their school year looks like and when their vacations are mm-hmm. but he was always up by 5 36 in the morning he would eat a really quick breakfast and go to school and then come back maybe around lunchtime to have food with family mm-hmm. and then he would go back and then he wouldn't come back until like 9 p.m yeah because he would be studying mm-hmm. and i remember thinking man I, I would hate going to school here to be stuck in school studying 
literally the entire day just to wake up and do it again yeah oh drive me crazy just hearing about that makes me nuts yeah how do you spend the whole day just doing one thing right and when my dad was growing up during the cultural revolution whatever china was doing at the time (laughs) only certain people would make it to college Mm -hmm. maybe like maybe this is an exaggeration but like one percent yeah because of how difficult the entrance exams were (laughs) and there was a lot of pride when it comes to which college you attended and which profession you went into Mm -hmm. and the pride really really gets to you and it it can destroy who you are as a person and what you yeah. value because you're chasing what other people value. Mm-hmm. And that takes away a lot of sense of identity. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Yeah, a lot of the times people are just like, you just kind of become a shell. Yeah. Going through day-to-day life, doing what you think is right or what the government thinks is right and believing that whatever happens, happens and you have no control mm-hmm. over your life and mm-hmm. what you do in the future yeah and i know that a lot of the times when members of my family or just random people in china talk about mental health if somebody they know has depression or they're just struggling in some way they'll say there's something wrong with that person what's wrong with them oof and oh my god it it just takes every particle of my being to not punch them in the face (laughs) because i just i know it's how they were raised and what the culture is like in china and that's going to take a lot more than a punch in the face to fix yeah but it's just there's so there's such a big lack of understanding Mm -hmm. of what mental health really is and what depression and anxiety what it does to a person and it's not their choice to be sad it's the life experiences, the trauma, the perceived failures that a person goes through that affects how they believe in themselves. Mm. And you can't control what happens to you in life sometimes. Sometimes life comes at you in your face. You can't choose what you bring in. And I think some of the traditional values of Asian countries has carried its way over to Asian Americans. Yeah. And that's why it's so hard for even us who were born here to sometimes seek help. Mm-hmm. A psychiatrist in a behavioral health program, Jeffrey Liu, explained that for some Asian Americans, there's a real sense that your value as a person depends on your ability to take care of your family and community. Mm-hmm. And then because of that, mental illness is seen incorrectly as taking away a person's ability to care for others. And then suddenly, if your whole identity is being able to care for others and that's taken away by something that you can't control, there's a lot of shame and embarrassment Mm -hmm. that comes with it and the pressure of meeting the dumb model minority standards. It just, literally every roadblock imaginable is something that Asian Americans face. You really can't fully take care of others if you don't take care of yourself first. And that's what this stigma that a lot of Asian households and Asian Americans are facing today may not realize, is that while taking care of your family is it's an honor, right? It's what we do in our familial groups. And it's part of our tradition, you know? Mm-hmm. However, we cannot neglect ourselves because when you are taking care of other people, you are giving parts of yourself to that person to help them, to uplift them, to heal them. And if you have nothing to give, in fact, if you're negative on <laughs> things to give, in essence, you may be giving nothing mm-hmm. to others. To be honest, that's really hard to explain to my parents and to my grandparents even, who don't really understand the importance of mental health. And for my family, like whenever something happens in our family that isn't great or is sad, we're very quick to move on from it instead of taking the time to really feel our emotions and to grieve it properly and then eventually move on from it. But it seems like we just jump from this bad thing happened, okay, it's sad, but we got to get better now so that we can move on forward. And that may be the way that, you know, they cope with their emotions. 
It could just be a way to survive. Yeah. But when our parents or um, people tell us that depression isn't real or expressing emotions is a sign of weakness, for example, that's not true at all. Mental health is as real as any other health ailment that a human may go through, and we should take it as such. I think there's just a very big misunderstanding about mental illness. Mm-hmm. Especially when you don't talk about it when you're younger, when you don't learn about it in school. Because most mental illnesses are invisible, it's really hard to recognize. And that makes it even harder to explain. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, other diseases, you can see it physically. Yeah. So being able to see it, you think, okay, my brain can understand what's wrong. Yeah. But when somebody is going through something that nobody can explain unless you've gone through it too and you can understand i think it's just so important to be able to empathize with them listen to them try to hear where they're coming from and understand that just because you haven't experienced it and you don't understand it doesn't make it any less real Mm -hmm. and another person's lived experience it's what they've experienced and what they've had to overcome or it's what they're going through currently and just supporting them in any way that you can is a world of help in college when i was going through depression and anxiety one of my friends i guess he noticed that i wasn't myself and after we got dinner one day he just stopped and looked at me and he goes amber you know it's okay not to be okay and if you ever need somebody i'm here for you and just like hearing those words it was just a simple two sentences right and that made me feel so much better and it definitely helped in my healing process and i can imagine that it's the same for a lot of others that are going through what we went through so any type of support is support no matter how small they all add up to the whole healing of somebody. Speaking of how in Asian countries and in our households, mental health and depression are not seen as serious things to consider, there's a lot of statistics that show that a lot of people actually are struggling with some form of mental illness or disorder. Nearly one in five U.S. adults experience mental illness each year. And 1 in 20 U.S. adults experience serious mental illness each year. And then along that, 1 in 6 U.S. youth, so people aged 6 through 17, experience some sort of mental health disorder each year. So it's a good portion of the population that go through a form of mental illness. And I think nowadays, especially we are being a lot more informative about it and being open and creating dialogues between each other. Even amongst strangers, I have never seen such a supportive and uplifting community on some of the social media platforms for people going through it. There's a lot of like Instagram pages or TikTok pages that are dedicated to helping others and healing and talking about mental health and even if you don't reach out like seeing other people talk about it can be encouraging i think that's one of the silver linings of social media just being able to communicate thousands of miles apart and sharing your stories and helping somebody that might have not even known they needed help Mm -hmm. and a lot of people say that oh nowadays everybody is so weak and the new generation, they're snowflakes. But I don't think that's true. I feel like these statistics probably would have always existed if people were just more open to talking about it in the past. As humans, we feel emotions. If we're able to feel happy, we're also able to feel sadness. And for as long as that stays constant, mental health is very real. And the thing is, like, depression isn't just feeling sad, Mm -hmm. you know? It goes much deeper than that. It's when you feel like you've lost literally every ounce of control that you have over your life. You're constantly battling your own thoughts Mm -hmm. in your head 24-7. And that gets 
exhausting. So when people say things like, oh, I'm tired, I'm sleepy, or somebody that do struggle with mental health seem like they're just being lazy, it's imagine going through a battle with yourself every single second of the day. Like, how can you not feel exhausted after that and only want to sleep? And biologically, it's been proven that people who struggle with mental health, they physically get drained and their physical self feels the effect of the mental health that you're experiencing. And that's why in turn, you may experience symptoms such as oversleeping or undersleeping or overeating or undereating. There's so much tied with the biological self and the mental self, it can get really, really um, destructive if it doesn't get treated and seek the help that it needs. And many times people wait to get treatment and to seek help. There's an average delay between when a person has their first onset of mental illness to when they get their first treatment of 11 years. That's a long time to wait to seek help Mm -hmm. but for some life calls and sometimes they won't be able to take care of themselves the way that they should Um, the data shows that there is a ripple effect of mental illness in how it affects the longevity of your life so people with depression have a 40 percent higher risk of developing heart problems and diseases than the general population and people with serious mental illness are nearly twice as likely to develop the conditions. And nearly 9.5 million individuals in the U.S. who experience mental illness also experience substance use, which can lead to a host of health issues such as alcohol or illegal substances, which can affect how healthy a person can be. And going into unemployment, those who are struggling with mental illness, the rate of unemployment is higher amongst those adults because mental health affects your productivity and your energy to do anything, you know, and let alone do a job. First job should be taking care of yourself and your your mental state. Yes. And when we talk about younger people, youth, high school students who have symptoms of depression are more than twice as likely to drop out compared to some of their other peers. So all of this in relation to good mental health or poor mental health really takes an effect on who we are in our lives in many, many corners of our lives. It's not just limited to our mental health, but it seeps into how we go about our days with our family and our friends, how we interact, do we socialize, do we eat certain things, do we exercise, like taking care of yourself. And I think it's important to note that mental health is not limited to the brain and that it's really your whole body and your whole health. I think when it comes to your own happiness in life, it's really important to surround yourself with people who care about you, people who support you. A very Mm -hmm. strong support system Mm -hmm. is really monumental, I think, when it comes to how you live, the way you see things. And that being said, it's almost inevitable that you will meet toxic people in your life. Yeah. And even if one day you realize that everybody you know and everybody you consider your friends are actually very toxic, don't be afraid to cut them out of your life Mm -hmm. if it's for the sake of your mental health, if all they're doing is bringing negative energy into your life and taking away from everything that you have to offer Mm -hmm. and not giving anything in return, then they don't deserve to be in your life. And cutting them out, just like how surgeons cut out tumors in your body, is actually the healthiest choice that you can make. Toxic people in your lives only drag you down Mm -hmm. from where you're meant to be, so. Yeah, don't let them bring you down with them. And some signs of toxic people can be they try to control you by guilt tripping you and gaslighting you. Mm -hmm. Feel like you're always walking on eggshells around them and you can't say anything. 
even if it's the honest truth because you're afraid of how they might react. You dread seeing them and you feel emotionally exhausted after. They try to intimidate you, they think they're superior to everyone and expect to be treated like a king even if they don't deserve it. And I think most importantly, nothing that you do for them gets returned. Not that any of us do anything for our friends expecting something in return, but it's just, you know, it's nice to feel that they respect you and they feel the same way about the friendship that you do. Mm-hmm. Just like any any relationship in your life, it's a two-way street. If one gives more than the other, it's imbalanced. And recognizing when that imbalance happens and knowing that they're kind of just taking away from you is the first step but Mm -hmm. coming out of that and cutting them out of your life will inevitably make you feel happier because you know that you're preserving your energy for those that are worth it Mm -hmm. at the end of the day yeah and on the flip side of that signs that someone is worth it and that they're good for your mental health is You feel energized and uplifted after talking to them. Mm -hmm. You feel like you can talk freely without the fear of judgment. They make you truly feel seen. They make you feel confident. And overall, it doesn't matter what you guys do, but just being around them makes you happier. Yeah. And that's like the energy that they bring to your life. And the same energy that you bring to their lives, it enriches each other's lives. And you guys make each other's lives better. And that's what life is all about Yeah. at the end of the day. Life is short. Death is inevitable. You literally never know what can happen in the next day. So Tomorrow is not promised to anyone. Mm-hmm. So the most that you can do is to try your best at enjoying every second that you have yeah and through positive friendships and relationships in your life not only will they help you realize your full potential in life but they can help you cope with the stresses of life too you know going through it together is a really bonding experience and in turn, have better quality of life. At the end of the day, we all deserve to be happy in our own sense, Mm -hmm. you know? So when it comes to having someone in your life or a loved one experience poor mental health, and if you may notice that, there are some things that you can provide them to help them go through that. And one of them is helping them find professional help and seek professional help like my friend did for me you can also help them reach out to maybe a trusted family member or even yourself or a trusted friend there's just so much that that one trusted person can do so much for that person who is struggling you can offer to go work out with them you know do things with them and just be there for them is also a ton of help You don't necessarily have to give them advice, but you can just be present in their life. And that may be enough for them to feel not alone. Sometimes if you can't notice that somebody is necessarily struggling because they don't show it, you can check up on your friends and the people that you care about. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just a, hey, like, how are you doing? Like, what's been going on in your life? You know, it can really open up conversations and some that you don't necessarily expect Mm -hmm. they do decide to open up about something that they might be going through and if you weren't expecting it you can say things like how can i help is there something specific i can do or you would like me not to do Mm -hmm. do you want to talk there's no pressure if you don't want to and We can talk and I won't give advice unless you want advice. And, you know, never underestimate the the power of telling somebody that you're there. Mm -hmm. Because just hearing that can give them a lot of strength. It almost kind of opens the door and gives permission to reach out if they feel like they need to. Instead of it feeling like almost like a burden or a weight. So giving and encouraging healthier choices from a place of compassion rather than criticizing or a place of judgment is is everything 
to those that are struggling with mental health. If yourself or others are going through a rough patch and are thinking of self-harm, there are alternatives that we'd like to provide that can help. For example, tear apart a newspaper, photos or magazines as a sense of relief. Get rid of that pent-up energy that you might have and that pent-up anger that you might have. Mm -hmm. Don't take it out on yourself. Mm -hmm. Try to take it out on inanimate objects yeah you can also go for a walk walks are therapeutic and it gives you time to think and you can also allow yourself to cry without shaming yourself for it in my stress and coping class Mm. in college we actually had one segment of class where we were taught that sometimes it's healthy to schedule a time to just cry, Ooh. to just let out all the emotions that you have yeah. and just, you know, unapologetically let your tears out. You have no idea how many times where I've just maybe had a rough day and I just, the day was, the world was against me and I just felt like I cannot hold it any longer. I just need to cry it out or just emotionalize it out. And I felt so much better the next day. Mm-hmm. Never um, bottle anything up if you can yeah let it all out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that's an interesting way to go about it to like schedule a time i actually have a friend that does that wow Mm -hmm. that's that's a new way i've never heard of that advice what it does is it still makes you feel productive because Mm -hmm. if you just i guess break down unexpectedly sometimes you feel like you're not accomplishing anything mm-hmm. in your life and that, you know, you could be spending time doing better things. Yeah. And of course, that's not true. But sometimes it's hard to not think that way yeah. and to prevent yourself from feeling like, oh, I should be doing something for my career. I should be studying right now. Sometimes it's just helpful to, you know, pencil in a time to cry, just like you pencil in a time to study. I like that. I like that. I'm going to have to suggest that if anybody asks for advice (laughs) some other ways and alternatives to self-harm could be to write down words that empower you and sticky tape them onto your body or in your room with like post-its repeating positive words of affirmation can really train your brain to believe it one day and it's good for self-confidence and bringing uplifting yourself and others manifesting yes and it's a real thing Because when you're in a bad state of mind, you constantly tell yourself all the bad things, right? All the negative energy, which then you start to believe it. One thing that I really loved doing was taking long drives, just blasting my favorite music, the windows down. And there was like this back road in my neighborhood that's usually like empty, barren at nighttime. I cannot recall how many times I've just like driven down that road and just like thought think cry feel like you're the only person in the world yeah yeah really Um, you can also reach out to a friend even if you just want to talk you just want to rant it's very helpful to have somebody to talk to yeah instead of just living in your own head Mm -hmm. you can write your negative thoughts on a piece of paper and tear it up physically and put on a stopwatch and delay harming yourself by one minute and then another minute And then another minute. And every minute, just keep congratulating yourself on your strength and your self-control and how much willpower you have. Telling yourself that you deserve to be happy. You can scream into a pillow. (laughs) You can blow up balloons and pop them. Use a pen and or a marker to draw on yourself. Treat yourself to your favorite meal. Yeah. Sometimes just eating what you love is very therapeutic. Yes. And treating yourself Mm -hmm. because you deserve it. You do. Popping bubble wrap is fun. Mm -hmm. It's fun in stressful situations and it also helps to get rid of some of the pent up energy that you might have. Mm -hmm. Um, This is very simple, but even just counting to 100 or counting backwards from 100. And doing it multiple times until you feel better. Yep. You can take a cold shower or 
if you can't bring yourself to take a cold shower, try to put ice blocks on your wrist because it mimics the pain Mm -hmm. without actually harming yourself. And these are just, you know, a few alternatives to self-harm. And there's a lot of resources out there that can help provide more information and other alternatives and guidance that can help anyone in need of their services. So if you or someone you know is in an emergency, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-TALK, which is 8255, or call 911 immediately. You can also call the National Alliance on Mental Illness Helpline at 800-950-NAMI, N-A-M-I. They also offer text. So you can text N-A-M as in mom, I, to 741741. And they'll have a trained professional on the other side who can talk with you if you don't want to talk to somebody in person. And... A really good Instagram page that talks a lot about depression and mental health is at Real Depression Project, and they provide helpful guides for educational purposes and most importantly, a safe place to see others that are also going through the same thought process or emotions that you are. And who knows, you may be able to connect with somebody that you can relate to, even though they're a complete stranger now. It can provide you a safe place. And of course, we will make sure to include all of these resources and pages for you guys in our info box and on our Instagram post. But when it comes to mental health, I think it's important to just always remind yourself and the ones that you love that you are not alone and you never are. And to be honest, many times you may feel like you are alone and Um, You may believe it at times too. However, knowing that there are people that care and love for you and um, there are professionals out there that are committed and passionate about helping each other heal is, is empowering in the healing process. And personally, looking back at my mental health journey, and I say that as if I'm done with this journey, but I'm not. I really am not because the way that I see mental health is that it's an ongoing thing every day, every minute. My mental health can change next hour. What I've realized and in my past 24 years of my life is that I have become a stronger person for being at the lowest point in my life. I have become a better person and a better friend and a better daughter and a better sister, a better girlfriend, a better colleague, because I understand how to empathize and recognize how important mental health is in our society. And I know that wherever I am on this journey, it never dictates who I truly am. And it never dictates how I believe I want to live and how I want to be happy in my life. And if there's one thing that I come out of this with is that no matter what life throws at me, I am equipped to throw my punches back, you know? And I am able to help the ones around me that I love also go through all of life's interesting grooves and paths that it will take us on. I am happy to say that I am in a much better, happier space after having so much support from the people that I love. My friends are my rock and getting the help that I needed. Like I, looking back at where I was, it makes me so sad for the person that I was and how much I was going through because I am just so much happier now, so much happier. And because of it, I am able to live happier day to day. And it's all thanks to letting myself be in a dark place and not beating myself up for it. And the same same thing extends to you guys in that although you may feel like control is taken away from you or you may not have control, you dictate whether that control is ever taken away and you dictate whether you want that control back in your life. And whatever timeline you're on, whenever you are ready, go for it. Even if you're just suspecting that 
you might be struggling just a little bit don't wait to get the help Mm -hmm. get it as soon as you can yes the quicker that you can get help the quicker that you can get yourself out of certain situations certain struggles that you might have because you deserve to be happy you deserve all the happiness in the world yeah and to experience all the good and even some of the bad that life has to offer and at the end of the day just remember that no matter how alone you feel you aren't and that there are people who care about you and that you're worth it thank you everyone for tuning in on this episode we hope that you recognize how important mental health is as much as we do and Hopefully our experiences can help guide you in whatever shape or form um, that you or a loved one may be struggling with. Know that you are not alone and that there is an incredible community out there around you that are rooting for you. So please check out the resources that we have put in below. And remember, our episodes come out every Mondays and Thursdays. And follow us on Instagram and Spotify at Out of Control Pod. And we hope to see you next time. Bye.